BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Right now, Governor Gavin Newsom is in a pretty good position to beat back the effort to recall him from office. And this has gotten some Democrats thinking about whether to use the rules to hold the election earlier. And it's hard to say right now how this is going to land, but there clearly is momentum building towards an earlier election that just did not exist a month or two ago. Today, how the recall process is shaping up and why you could be voting sooner than you think. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. The recall effort started before the COVID-19 pandemic, but that clearly was one of the driving forces in getting the recall successfully onto the ballot. Guy Marzarati is a politics reporter for KQED and producer for the Political Breakdown podcast. This uh, recall effort really took off at the latter stage of, of 2020. There was kind of a few month period where the campaign got an extension to keep collecting signatures and that coincided with both a huge surge of coronavirus in California and accompanying shutdowns along with some missteps by Newsom. Fast forward to now, we're in a period where the coronavirus has waned uh, in California. 
cases are far down. The state has done a good job rolling out the vaccine. Businesses are reopening and the full state is preparing for a a loosening of all restrictions on June 15th. So we're in a totally different place uh, than we were six months ago when this recall really took off. So given that, what do we know about how voters are feeling about a recall now? There's really low support uh, for the recall as it stands, and that hasn't changed really for the last few months. The latest polling we had last month showed just 40% of likely voters think Newsom should be recalled, and that's kind of held steady throughout the spring. And in fact, when you take that 40% number, that's very similar to the amount of voters who have always opposed Newsom. Mm -hmm. 38% of voters voted against him in 2018. That's kind of been that benchmark of 40% that has opposed him, whether you break it down by specific issues or ask about a recall. And it hasn't really broken out beyond that, which obviously the campaign to recall him would need if they, you know, were to get a majority. So things are looking good for Newsom, right? California's businesses are back open up this month and more Californians are getting vaccinated. I just see more people out. If the recall effort was so much about the governor's response to the pandemic and things are getting better, what does that mean for the recall effort now? After months of preparing ourselves for an election in the fall on the recall of Newsom, there are some signs actually that this election could take place this summer. And when you say this summer, how early in this summer or how late? I think, you know, the earliest we could possibly see this happen is, you know, maybe late August to early September. That's, you know, a a jump from what we were thinking about, which was a likely, you know, late October or November election. And the reason is there is a lot of flexibility in the recall timeline. The recall timeline is a lot more complicated uh, than it was in 2003. There are a lot more steps. And with that, there's a lot more flexibility in how long different steps have to take. And so there is this, you know, huge swing you could have um, between when we're expecting the election and actually when it could take place under law. Let's talk a little bit about that, because obviously most of us are familiar with elections happening in November. Why is there a chance that this particular recall election could happen sooner? Well, there's a few extra steps in California's recall law that did not exist in 2003. The most notable ones here uh, involving flexibility is this basically this two-month window that state officials have to study how much the recall election would cost. There is going to be a cost uh, for counties to put on the recall election. They're mailing every registered voter a ballot. They're going to have to set up in-person voting, uh, sending out voter guides, that sort of thing. So there is a cost for just putting on the election. And under law, the state has to study that. First, it starts with the Department of Finance, which is under the governor, studying the cost of the recall, coming up with an estimate, and they have 30 days to do so. Then there's another 30-day period where the legislature, through uh, the Joint Budget Committee, studies that cost estimate. That could take up to 60 days, but it could also take as few as two days. And I think, (laughs) and that's really where you get the flexibility here. And the legislators, the allies of Newsom, who we've heard say, let's speed up the, the recall, they're saying, let's condense these cost estimates down to two days. And that can shave a couple of months off of the recall timeline. I want to start with a tweet that you sent out this week saying the best opportunity to beat this reckless recall of Gavin Newsom is to have an early election. Why? 
the first kind of trial balloon I heard about this was uh, a tweet from State Senator Steve Glazer of Contra Costa County. Well, the governor's done a very good job over the last couple of months in getting the vaccine out to uh, millions of Californians. And he's put forward a Glazer is uh, both a state senator, but he also his background is as a political consultant. He's a, a political, well-known political strategist uh, in the state before he ran for office. He was the key strategist of former Governor Jerry Brown. And he's someone who, you know, having known him, he's always thinking about politics. I think uh, he, he can get this election on the ballot sooner than later, uh, give the people of California the ability to make a choice. Um, and I think it's in his interest to do it. Uh, sooner because of the positives I just mentioned. He said in an interview with Inside California Politics that this would be the best strategy to take advantage of kind of the the good times that we're having in the state right now. There's a lot of unknowns out there uh, that could change the positive uh, movement that we've seen on his behalf, uh, whether it's fires, uh, whether it's uh, kids back in school. So my view has been the, the law allows for the opportunity for a quicker election. Take it. Uh, this is the, where you want to have the fight um, sooner rather than later. And it's important to note that a lot of these Democrats have kind of dueling roles in this recall process. So from the lieutenant governor who sets the date of the recall election to the secretary of state who sets a lot of rules on how to get on the ballot to even state legislators who have specific assigned roles in the recall process. They have those administrative roles, but at the end of the day, they're also all Democrats who are all supportive of Gavin Newsom keeping his job as governor. What what does that mean, the fact that all these Democrats in power are thinking about this and have the power to shape the timing of the recall? Right. I mean, I would say to start with, no one is suggesting any kind of change in law or, or breaking of the rules that are set. But it does reflect the fact that this is a, a state government that is entirely controlled by Democrats. And so you can uh, imagine and you can expect that these officials will, within the rules and within the laws, look to what is going to give Newsom the biggest advantage to keep his job. I'm sure I'll be asked eventually by somebody, what do I think about the process? And I spoke to Secretary of State Shirley Weber about this. Because, you know, she's in an awkward position, right? She is the administrator of this election. She was also appointed to her position as secretary of state by Governor Gavin Newsom. So it's a bit of an awkward spot. I think as a citizen and elected official or not, I have a right to have an opinion about it. It doesn't affect what I have to do. She said she reserves her right as a private citizen to take a stance uh, on the recall. But I think right now what she's focused on is kind of the nuts and bolts, right? educating the public about the timeline, the procedures of this really unusual, unique recall election. We're going to follow the law and make sure that all of those things are part of it and not just say, well, that this is a different kind of election so people can just do anything that they want to do. No, we're going to make sure that we do that so that we don't have to deal with any naysayers about putting our, you know, putting our finger on the scales and tipping one thing one way or the other. So, Guy, we've been talking about the nuts and bolts of the recall process and how politics is sort of baked into the system here. Right. But what does all this have to do with voters and what they should know about this? Well, I think as far as uh, what voters should know is this is kind of still up in the air as when this election could happen. Um, It's already an off cycle election. This is happening in a year we weren't expecting a, a statewide election. The advantage for voters is no matter what date the election is ultimately held, 
everyone is going to receive a ballot in the mail. So it's not as if you're going to have to you know, rearrange your schedule to make sure you're around uh, to vote on a specific day. Um, and so I think that might, you know, ease some concerns of voters and make this this process easier. Um, but it's still, you know, voting is habitual. And I think there is some kind of rhythm to having Election Day in November. That's kind of what we uh, expect. Hmm. I think outside of the politics, there is kind of just the nuts and bolts of voting in this recall election. It's something that probably a lot of voters haven't experienced if they didn't live here in 2003. It's a unique ballot. It's two questions. You first start off with, do you support recalling Newsom from office, yes or no? And then there's a second question where you choose from a list of potential replacement candidates. So it's going to look unlike election ballots we've seen in the past few years. The real battle is just making sure that voters are even aware there's an election period. I talked to Mindy Romero, who's the director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy at USC, and she said, you know, in elections like this where, you know, they might be off cycle or, or people might not know about them, it, the burden falls disproportionately on people who don't regularly vote. And those are often younger voters, voters of color. And so I think anytime you have uh, an election that comes out of the blue, I think you risk potentially not getting people to the polls who aren't that plugged into to politics or plugged into when elections are going to happen. It's really about making sure that we have a representative electorate, that the decision really reflects whatever it is, um, the will of California voters. And we hope we have a good turnout. So it's really, you know, a, a good slice of California eligible voters, period. You know, there could be voters who, you know, may not receive a mail ballot. Maybe they've changed addresses. And if they're not aware of the election, it's going to place uh, an added burden, I think, on election administrators, uh, both on the county and the state level, and also, you know, nonprofits that work to turn out voters. It's going to place an added burden on them to relay this information uh, to voters who likely, you know, are, are looking forward to a summer of fun and maybe not a summer of voting. Right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully a summer of fun. Guy, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks to Guy Marzarati, politics reporter for KQED and producer for the Political Breakdown podcast. This episode was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz Guevara and Alan Montesilio. Shailen Martos is our production assistant. Issa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. Our podcast leadership team is Jessica Placek, Kiana Mogadam, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. We're made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadayama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you later. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. 
So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 